Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jesse will be back on Monday. He's doing a whole week parish mission. And I have my guardian angel with me as my partner today. We're going to be covering a lot of interesting topics, but also the most important topic, how to become a better Catholic. I'm going to cover that right after the gospel and Fulton Sheen. And then we're going to get into some big news that's going on in Europe regarding COVID. You know, Britain ends all COVID passports, mask mandates, what? And work restrictions? Belgium stops using Moderna COVID vaccine for young people over heart inflammation risks. The um, another Pfizer shot has caused an avalanche of miscarriages and stillborns. This is another article. We've been talking about this. And the big news is the European Parliament has a new president and she's pro-life and much, much more. I want to also cover the last segment, uh, the sacrament of marriage we talked about yesterday from Cardinal Seurat. He's got an exercise that all married couples should do in regarding praying with each other. But before we get to all of the news shows, news topics, let's get the gospel of today's mass, gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 7 to 12. Jesus withdrew towards the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed him from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, Hey, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Emrah, and from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyra and Sidium. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd. They're pressing him, right? So that they would not crush him. He had cured many, and as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God. He wanted them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's happening with even certain saints, doesn't it? When you see a saint, people all want to touch him and get around him and ask for healings. Well, here's what the Navarre Bible Commentary says about that. During our Lord's public life, people were constantly crowding around him to be cured, as in the case many other cures. St. Mark gives us a graphic account of what Jesus did to these people. By working these cures, our Lord shows that he is both God and man. He cures by the virtue of divine power and using human nature. In other words, only the word of God becomes man is the work of the redemption affected and the instrument of God used to save us from human nature of Jesus, his body and soul. That's taken right from Vatican II. The crowding around Jesus is repeated by Christians of all times. The holy human nature of our Lord is our only route to salvation. It is the essential means we must use to unite ourselves to God. Thus, we can today approach our Lord by means of the sacraments. See, tied right into the sacraments. Especially and preeminently the Holy Eucharist. And through the sacraments, there flows to us from God through the human nature of the word, a strength which cures those who receive the sacraments with faith. 
That's taken right from the Summa Theologica with Thomas Aquinas. Good stuff. Wow. I love it. Hey, let's bring in the smartest guy in the room right now, Archbishop Sheen. Oh, Sheen ahead. And you know, it's a quickie, but it's so true. We talk about humility and truth. He says, the proud man counts his newspaper clippings. The humble man counts his blessings. I always like to say an attitude of gratitude is welcome just about everywhere. And that's the neat thing about our Catholic faith, that we do have a blessing when it comes to our attitude. And this is incredibly important for all of us to realize. What I wanted to do now, we have a few minutes before we get the segment done. I wanted to give some advice because I look at myself as a spiritual fitness trainer. Jess and I say that all the time. Can I give you some advice that was given to me that really helped me fall deep in love with Jesus? Here they are. Your daily duties here. Get up at the fixed time as early as possible. I know I get up 4.30 in the morning. Many die. I mean, yes, I'm up at 4.30, but I go to bed early. But that quiet time is the best time of my day. You know, eight hours of sleep should be enough for people, not 10 or 12. More than this or less than six hours of sleep is usually not healthy. And then, can you, would you do this? This is so simple. Offer your day to God through the intercession of Our Lady. Now, another one. Work with order and intensity during the day as a way of serving God. So I just took the trash out from the studio today. Guess what? I did that in honor of Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. Yeah, that was not a, that because I did it for God. Yeah. And you offer that, you sanctify the ordinary work of the day. That's the goal of our life. Every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Now, another one, try to attend daily mass. I just came back from mass this morning and have Holy Communion as often as possible. This is the best sacrifice we can offer to God. Prepare yourself for Mass by spending some time in prayer. And what do I mean about time? Even if you just spend 15 minutes of mental prayer a day. I like more than that myself, but quiet time. Pray the Angelus. You know, the traditional Angelus is prayed at sunrise, like 6 a.m., noon, and sunset at 6 p.m. And then, of course, we always talk about praying the rosary. And that's incredibly important. Our Lady of Fatima talks about that, offering each day a decade for a specific intention. And then do some spiritual reading. What do we do here, Terry and Jesse? The New Testament or some known spiritual book. 10 to 15 minutes a day. Read your catechism. Yeah. And then this is great advice. Make a short examination of conscience at the end of the day before getting into bed. And you know, it's only two or three minutes. I mean, get in these holy habits. Then your life will be led for God and you won't have the fear that the world's giving us. Follow these steps. Humble yourself, as Sheen says, in the presence of God. Tell the Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Ask for the light to acknowledge your defects and virtues and see the dangers and opportunities of the day. Ask for repentance, amendment, and encouragement. And here's one more thing that helps, I think, all of us. Center our activities around Holy Mass, especially on Sunday. Uh, if you do not receive Holy Communion every day, receive it at least on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. 
And remember Saturday, it's dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Monthly, here's some advice. Go to confession once a month. It's the sacrament of joy. St. John Paul said, God is always and the one who is principally offended by God. I have sinned against you and God alone can forgive. He does so through the ministry of his priests and the sacrament of penance, which is the ordinary way of obtaining forgiveness and the remission of mortal sin. Every mortal sin must be stated with its determining circumstances to an individual confession. Remember that. And seek to follow spiritual guidance of wise, prudent, and knowledgeable priests. Here's a good thing too. Every day, Sunday, what's it dedicated to? Write this down. The Blessed Trinity. Monday, the souls in purgatory. Tuesday, guardian angel. Wednesday, St. Joseph. Thursday, which is today, the Holy Eucharist. Make visits today, especially today. Friday, of course, the passion and death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Saturday, the Blessed Virgin Mary that we just mentioned. Why do I give you this advice? Because I take this advice myself. I mean, think about the fruits of the sacraments. What are those fruits? We should remi- This should be going over and over in our heads every day, really. The remission of our original sin. That's what baptism does. Birth into a new life, which man becomes an adoptive son of the Father, a member of the Christ, temple of the Holy Spirit. These are very important things to do. And remember what the Holy Eucharist does. It increases our union with Christ. It forgives venial sin. It preserves us from grave sin. Sign me up! A strengthening the bond of charity between the community of Christ. This is what we do when we stay close to the sacraments. And just don't forget this. I try to remember what Our Lady of Fatima said, to offer up our daily sacrifices for the salvation of souls. She said, and I say this at the end of every show, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make reparation for their souls. This is incredibly important. I'm just burying a woman right now. We have a couple hundred funerals a, uh, a year here, and the lady was supposed to come home from the hospital the next day, and she suddenly died of a heart attack, and the family's just devastated. But that's life. There's no guarantee. I'll be here tomorrow. I asked you guys to pray for my soul. I die. You hear, hey, Terry Barber died. Offer some masses for that boy. He needs them. That's what I'd ask you to do if I was alive to say it, which I am now. Why? Because that's the greatest thing you can do. Hey, when we come back, I got a clip from Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who happens to be a Catholic. I met three or four children. He uh, announced something that I thought was commonsensical. We've been saying it, but we're not in management. We're in sales. He's the prime minister, and many others are following his example throughout the world regarding COVID. So I, I want you to hear this. Enjoy it. And as Jesse and I always say, we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. Folks, if hope was money, Jesse and I would be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm going to play a clip, but I want to give some advice on suffering that the saints have all given to us over 2,000 years. This is something that's so powerful. Put your seatbelt on. 
There is much suffering in the world which could be transformed into streams of grace if it were accepted and offered in union with the sufferings of our blessed Lord. Think about this, folks. This is Colossians chapter 1. Hospitals could become spiritual atomic power plants in drawing divine graces into the world. If all Catholics would work with this great talent from the top to the bottom, the evil one would soon be defeated and the world would be converted and countless poor souls would be released from purgatory. Do I really believe that? Absolutely. It's called wasted pain. How many people will say to you, oh, I'm suffering, I'm doing but they never talk about redemptive suffering. Now, I know St. John Paul II, when he was suffering, he wrote uh, encyclicals on the redemptive suffering aspect, and that's a saint, okay? I expect that out of him, that he would communicate that. Now, Pope Francis right now is 85 years old, and I got an article here that he's having some health issues. And on the January 17th, which was just the other day, he chose to read his speech sitting down, and he apologized to his guests for not standing. He said, this way it's better for me. I and I will pray. I will pray tonight, uh, our holy hour for the Holy Father, but uh, every Thursdays here at the chapel. But I understand that it's better for you to be sitting. But I really am looking for spiritual direction, the kind that I just read from the saints and from Saint John Paul too. That when you are suffering, tell people this is not wasted pain. I'm I'm not sitting down because it's better for me. I'm I'm going to sit down, but I'm going to offer my suffering for the salvation of souls, for the good of the church. It just seems that when you live on that level of the supernatural, that suffering actually uh, is something that we all have to deal with and eventually work with. As a matter of fact, I'm going to quote St. John Paul II right now. He says, It is suffering more than anything else which clears the way for grace which transforms human souls. That's that art, That's the encyclical he read. He wrote years ago on suffering. We need to hear that more and more from our leaders in our church. All right, let's let's get a clip from uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson regarding making a big announcement regarding COVID passports, mask mandates, and work restrictions. Let's play. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Yeah. Organizations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. Yeah. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, from from tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms, and the department and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet. But 
we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. Wow. When I saw that yesterday after the show, I guess, I got to play that clip. That was phenomenal. This is guy, you know, we got to talk about having a PhD in common sense. We've been saying this for two years. You treat this, you treat this uh, where the high, the people who are going to get sick, like elderly, you take care of them. But stopping people from going to work, the collateral damage of that, not being able to pay your mortgage, your rent, um, depression by not going outside. I mean, come on. Common sense says to do that. Thank you very much, Mr. Prime Minister. Also, here's another one. Belgium stops using the Moderna COVID vaccine for young people over heart inflammation risks. Now, we've been saying this for a long time. Now, these are articles from LifeSite News. You can get them. But they joined a growing list of European countries pausing the Moderna uh, shot for young people amid rising concerns about this, about their hearts. And I can go on and on. Um, people between 12 and 39 who are receiving these shots. This is really bad news. Um, vaccines related, it's children. A, a November study in Hong Kong estimated one in 2,680 boys aged 12 to 17 will develop problems with their heart as two weeks of having the jab. In the old days, when I'm talking about old days, two years ago, when these things would happen with vaccines, they'd shut them down in a heartbeat. As our good friend Dr. French was on the show last Friday, he said that, yeah, we don't, we're not using the same principles I was trained on for decades. We just totally threw it out. And I want to just say that Europe now seems to be coming back and realizing that we've been duped. Here's another uh, story that I'm going to share with you. Europe considers new COVID-19 strategy accepting the virus. Who said that? Yeah, in other words, a virus you can't stop. You have to get herd immunity. Here's what they're doing in Madrid, Spain. When the coronavirus pandemic was first declared, the Spaniards were ordered to stay home for more than three months. Are you kidding me? For weeks, they were not allowed outside even for exercise. What? Children were banned from playgrounds, and the economy virtually stopped. Now, what do you think of the effects of that having on family life and on the country? How many people committed suicide? How many marriages were destroyed for something as a virus? I mean... Are you kidding me? People are going to look back at us 100 years from now and say, those guys are really stupid. Can you imagine they, they shut their economy down for a virus? But officials credit these draconian measures with preventing a full collapse of the health system. That's what they say. But now two years later, now they're preparing to adopt a different COVID-19 playbook with one of Europe's highest vaccination rates its most pandemic-battered economics. The government is laying groundwork to treat the next infection surge not as an emergency, here it comes, but as an illness. That is to say, similar steps under consideration are neighboring Portugal and also Britain. The idea to move the crisis mode to a controlled mode approaching the virus is much the same way countries dealt with the flu or measles. 
That means accepting these infections will occur and provide extra care for at-risk people and patients with complications. So if you've got diabetes and you're 400 pounds overweight, yeah, you're the guy that we got to keep away from the virus. But if you're a healthy guy like myself at age 65, I got it Christmas Eve. And I had two days where I was chilled, chills and shakes and I took all my regular medicine that I needed to take that my wife gave me, you know, with all the, you know, zinc and all that. And, you know, if I had to compare it to the flu, it was a weaker flu than ones I've had in my lifetime. Now, <clears throat> Spain uh, center-left Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez wants the European Union to consider similar changes now that the surge of the Omicron virus has shown that the disease is becoming less lethal. Now, I share this with you to pray and say, thanks be to God, the world is waking up to common sense. And think of all these people who died because we wouldn't give them the medications. Tragic, I think, tragic. And how many people didn't go to see their doctor for their heart issues or their diabetes because they didn't want to go to see a doctor while COVID was going on? They were afraid. Like I said, 240 funerals we had uh, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel last year. And in three days, I've got seven funerals I'm going to be working. Yeah, that's what I do in my spare time, folks. I try to minister to the people. I spoke to the lady today, the mother, the daughter of the mother who died, and tried to console her with, you know, our faith. So it's a great opportunity. And thank you for supporting us at Virgin Most Powerful. Yeah, we don't just do radio. We minister to thousands of people every month that come in who have lost a loved one. And this is the best time to grab them, in my opinion. Now, here's another one. Uh, among the first reported, and this is a Pfizer shots, are causing an avalanche of miscarriages and stillborn babies. And we know some famous movie stars are now coming out and speaking up on their social media. They'll get taken down, but they're, they're realizing it was a mistake to get vaxxed. So this story, uh, Netflix TV star Amira Vender told her fans last week, Ready? Of the devastating grief that she delivered a stillborn baby at 38 weeks of pregnancy on December 9th. She said, yesterday was the hardest day of my life on Instagram. With a picture of the new baby clothes in the memory box, she's taking home with the hospital instead of her baby boy. Now, this is happening over and over again, and all because we were promoting the vaccines. And I just think that when are we going to wake up to realize that, I mean, it seems like we're waking up now. So that's another article to take a look at on LifeSite News when you get a chance. When we come back, I want to give you some really good news about Europe. It seems that it's going come to America eventually uh, with the common sense approach to the vaccines and to COVID where we should be saying, wait a minute, this medicine's worse than the, than the, uh, the, the, uh, the COVID-19. Yeah, so why are we you know, doing this when this let it run its course? It gets weaker and weaker, as Dr. French said last Friday. It's going to be gone. I'll quote him. He said, in a couple of months, we're not going to be having COVID issues 
like we had for the past two years because people are going to get immune to this and we're not going to be uh, running scared, as they say. So this is important. And so I'll tell you that story when we come back from the break. But I also want to encourage you. We have the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend, the 29th and 30th, with Father Chad Ripperger. Take advantage. I mean, we've been sold out for six weeks. But pick up, go online, register, so you can watch it. Not only watch it, but it'll be yours for life, because we're going to send you a link that you can keep of all the talks by going to vmpr.org and register right online or call 877 526 2151. When we come back, I've got great news about Europe and the new president for the European Union. Stay with us in our short break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, Jesse. I'll be back on Monday. I made a promise to give you some good news about the European Parliament. But before I do that, we read the Gospel of Mark at the beginning of the show. If you didn't hear it, you can hear it later on the podcast. But I love the psalm response. In God I trust, I shall not fear. And I hope that when you hear the Terry and Jesse show, matter of fact, all the shows on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, that we encourage you to put your trust in God, not in man. And this is something that, especially with COVID restrictions, people are being scared half out of their minds and they're, they're forgetting about their spiritual life. So put your trust in God. Okay, here it comes. Put your seatbelt on. European Parliament has a new president. Roberta Metasola has a history of protecting the unborn. What? A pro-lifer is the European Parliament president? Yep, she's a Catholic politician who has a history of opposing abortion and was elected the youngest ever president of the European Parliament on Tuesday. Thank you, Jesus, man. How many people were praying? This is a mother of four children. She was elected in a landslide to become the first woman to lead the parliament in 20 years. Has often, like I said, voted for pro-life. And what happened? God's, God's in control of everything, folks. She replaces David Asasoli, a center-left Italian politician who suddenly died a month ago at age 65. Like me, I'm 65. And um, he was praised by church leaders, including the Vatican secretary. Well, again, um, these are part of the scandals of the church where we're bringing in pro-abortion people to give us talks on life, which makes no sense, but the good news is we got a pro-lifer now in the parliament. All right, here's another story. Sad. Now, these are, I gave you all my good stories. In the last segment, <clears throat> we're going to take Cardinal Seurat's book, Couples Awake Your Love, with an exercise for all married couples because it's outstanding when I give it to you. But here's a sad story. These are the stories that are making news now, and it's starting to make everybody realize that the COVID Vaccines are really bad for people. The headline is, all he wanted to do was to play hockey. That's what the grieving dad says. Pfizer shot killed his 17-year-old son. 
And he said, deaths are happening more than anyone knows, and it's just being denied and silenced. Yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. They don't want to... The Toronto resident, right in Canada, he said, I explained my son experienced a bad reaction to his first shot just over a month later was dead. The grieving father said that an autopsy for his son showed a slightly enlarged heart. Oh, surprise. But that the cause of death was unreally certain. Uh, Hartman said the doctor who had reviewed the autopsy told him that he believed the COVID shot killed his son. So this isn't dad. This is a doctor saying, he says, I know in my heart and soul, I believe the second pathologist that the vaccine killed my son. It's not rare, as everybody thinks. It's happening. It's on Twitter every day. People dying from this. And he said, I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all. I'm really not. But I think there's something wrong with this one. So he's probably got vaccinations for his kids when they were young. But remember, all these vaccinations in the past, if, it, if people were having bad effects, they stopped it. Why didn't they stop it with this? What's different? Well, I think you know the answer to that. So that's the one story I wanted to give you to pray for dad, pray for that young man. Uh, here's an in, a, what I call inspirational story. The Wimbledon champion, Milvik Dolcevic, said this, before I am an athlete, I am an Orthodox Christian. Well, I'd like to hear Willie Mays say that, or some of our famous sports people said, he says, if we had a list of top athletes whose generosity is beyond question, then Novak, his name would certainly be on it. At 34 years of age, the Serbian tennis star has won really not one Wimbledon, not two, not three, not four, not five, six Wimbledon titles, 20 Grand Slam wins, uh, it's a safe bet that this man, who has dominated the world tennis elite for so long, has been able to find the energy needs to competition thanks to his regular Bible reading. So here's my point. I can go on. The nice thing about it is, here's someone who's a great athlete, but says, hey, all of it's God's grift to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian first before any of this. I'm not going to worship man. Now, Here's the things we need to pray for in the church right now. Lots, right? Everybody, you, you would agree? This is unbelievable, all right? And I tell you these stories not to get you depressed. Are you kidding me? Fire you up in your prayers, making reparation, expiation for the sins in the church. And I'm going to give you, this is objectively sinful. The Senate of Bishops Resources website links to Warm Women's Ordination Group. So there, this was founded in 1975. It's described as the oldest and largest organization to ordain women for priests and bishops. But here's the challenge. The, it's, it would be, you know what it would be like if you're working for Sears Roebuck, that's a big old company, and you didn't follow their policy at the company, and you just kept telling people, go to Monkey Wards to buy your, your set of tires your batteries, not Sears, it would be undermining the company's policy. And what unfortunately, some of our management, what I call management bishops, some of them are being remiss. And they're letting people who have a total contrary to Christian values inside our church. And I will call them out because it's the salvation of souls that matter. 
Here's another another example of it. And I'm, again, I'm not doing this to depress you. I'm giving you this so that you can pray for the Holy Mother of the Church. Because we've got some cardinals in our church, like Cardinal Subich. He reprimands a Catholic priest in Chicago who criticized mass restrictions, suggesting he violated canon law. Now, I read the letter. I won't read it to you, but you probably heard me and Jesse talk about ad orientum. It's a Latin phrase where the priest is facing the altar, not you. And this priest was saying the Novus Ordo Mass in Latin, the one that we have here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at our chapel, it's the Mass of Vatican II, really. If you take the Vatican II document on the Mass, the document said, and the priest turns around and says, the Lord be with you, or Dominus, you know, he will say it in Latin or English. That's what Vatican II said. So now here what we have is, we have a cardinal who doesn't understand that Vatican II says just what that priest did. And what he's talking about is the spirit of Vatican II, which is not what the Catholic Church teaches. So with all due respect to Cardinal Supic, uh, you're wrong, okay? That's not what the Vatican II restrictions say are in the Mass. It says just the opposite, that you can be facing the altar. Now, this is the same Cardinal when he was the Bishop of Spokane, wouldn't let Catholic priests go to abortion clinics and pray the rosary. Do I need to say more? That man needs prayer. That's the same man at the Walk for Life in Chicago who said, uh, from birth until death, we have to protect life. Wrong. Here I am, Joe Sixpack. I have no degrees in theology. And I'm saying, your eminence, excuse me, but it's um, from conception to natural death. And, of course, he got corrected, probably from some layman, and he had to get corrected in it. The thing about it is, it shows me much of our bishops are poorly, poorly formed. And sometimes I wonder, because I read, and I read things, and I go, why don't they know this? What are they spending their time doing when they can't even figure out that the church teaches that life is sacred from conception to natural birth? So I want to pray for Father Anthony Abus, um, because this man is being persecuted. And this is the same problem. Many of my good friends that are priests have been persecuted in the Catholic Church for doing the right thing. And then, of course, you see the other side of it, the liberals saying mass in gym shorts. Yeah, I've, I've been to a mass when I was a teenager where the priest had gym shorts and a stole over his neck. That's how he said mass. But that's okay. So what are we talking about? We are in trouble. We need to pray for Holy Mother the Church that our leaders will bring us back to Jesus Christ and not to themselves and have personal opinions. Personally, I don't want to know what your personal opinion is, Cardinal, because it doesn't matter to me. What matters is, what is the will of God? What is God communicating when it comes to the liturgy? So don't tell me someone who is doing ad orientum, is violating canon law. You show me where it's violating canon. I'll show you where Vatican II says he's supposed to do that. And as a matter of fact, I met one of the fathers of Vatican II, Abbot Boniface Lupti, who passed away in the 90s, one of the last breathing people on earth. We did a three-hour interview. If people want to hear you know, what Vatican II really said about the liturgy, 
I got three hours for them to download. Call us at 877-526-2151. If you want to make a donation, great. If not, I want you to hear what a man who was before the council worked on the documents, during and after. There's no other guy that did that. He knew about Pugnini, you know, the guy who did the uh, all the work on the liturgy. And I want to just tell you that it's eye-opening. Why am I telling you this? Because when we can pray for Holy Mother of the Church. And you'll be knowledgeable of what the Church really teaches when it comes to the liturgy. All right, when we come back, you won't want to miss this. Cardinal Seurat, one of my favorite men in the Catholic Church, along with a couple others, Burke and Archbishop, um, uh, well, I should say Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Bishop Strickland. There's a handful of them out there that, you know, are willing to speak up, and they pay a price. So does Cardinal uh, Seurat. He wrote a book called Couples Awake Your Love. We're going to give you some exercises, mom and dad, that you can hear regarding your marriage to build your marriage up. You won't want to miss it. Wow. I mean, this is the top of the food chain. Cardinal Seurat. Couples Awaken Your Love. You're going to get it in this next segment on the Terry and Jesse Show because we want to build you up in the body of Christ so that we get to heaven. That's it. That's what Salvation of Souls is all about. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I hope this is inspirational for you and your marriage, because it was for me when I read this book, Couples Awake Your Love, by Cardinal Robert Seurat from Ignatius Press. And he says, when spouses pray together each day, which I do with my wife, their love is an impregnable stronghold. Affirming this is a good thing, but it is not always that easy to know how to pray and especially what to say. He's going to give some good advice. It's coming. To help those who wish to make their conjugal prayer one of the highest points of their day, his booklet right here is going to present essential elements in the unique encounter of two spouses with God. The proposed plan can be adopted, right, while making sure to keep the structure so as not to miss certain steps. If one of the spouses is absent, this time recharging can be an experience which, well, they will be miles apart. Here it is. This prayer is composed of an act of abandonment to divine mercy. How do you like that, folks? A time of thanksgiving, a reading from the word of God, and finally, the original meditation for each day dedicated to the topic that speaks to the spouse's So inspired by these four pillars of marriage, all under the watchful eyes of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the protectress of the home. Now, it's not wrong, Cardinal says, to say that spouses who have put this prayer at the heart of their lives have experienced an incredible renewal of their lives. Yes! Boring, a miraculous for some couples. Be careful, though, in order to bear fruit, Prayer must not be irregular. One day this way, one month this. No, it's supposed to enter into an everyday life, a communal meeting for two in the sight of God. Hey, check this out. I love his line. A few minutes to return for an eternity of love. 
Here's what he starts. We're going to do it. We're going to have time. Make the sign of the cross. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Followed by a minute of silence with your wife. Pray. Begging for divine mercy while making a profound bow. That's all the way to the ground, folks. My God, here we are before you with all our limitations, our sins, and our weak and our wounds. And then the cardinal asks you and your wife, or you and your husband, to make a brief examination of conscience in silence. We can do nothing without you, without your infinite mercy, and we humbly ask your forgiveness. We desire with all our strength, with the help of your grace, to follow the path of the gospel. Have mercy on us, my God. Now this is where you recite each spouse in turn. Now check this out. No, it's not your vows. It's good, important to renew your vows on a regular basis. But here's what he said. You say your spouse's name. Like for me, it would be Mary. Mary, I ask you to forgive me for the times when I have been inconsiderate and may have hurt you. And then mention one of those appropriate ones. Yeah. And I ask God to help me to love you more. Blessed be God for your good qualities. And then mention some of these good qualities. Whether you're a great cook or you keep the house in order. Mention it. Tell, your wife needs to hear that, folks. And then read from the Word of God slowly, followed by a short time of silence to let it sink in. Great exercise. And then he adds, he says, Recite one Our Father, one Hail Mary, and one Glory Be. Read the meditations for the day. Pray for your spouse. And this is a beautiful prayer to pray. O Mary, we turn to you. Guide us according to God's will. What a great thing to say to your wife. Not my will, uh, honey. Not your will. God's will. Grant that we may be spouses and parents according to the heart of your son. Make us more united every day. This is what you're doing every day, folks. Give us ever more loving heart for our spouse, our children, and our neighbor. Keep us faithful to the word of God. Renew us in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. May we have a heart that is poor in spirit that we will guide us to God alone. See, your love for your wife is to help you love God, to get to heaven. Yes. Oh, Mary, protect us from all evil, especially at the hour of our death. Amen. Now, what I just did is I gave you a quick overview of what the Cardinal asked you to do with your wife. And we actually are going to do this at a seminar. If you like this, if you like what you're hearing and you want to actually uh, come to the seminar, it'll be May 7th, 2022. Dr. Sandoval, Mary Barber, and Terry Barber, that's me. We're going to be covering a whole whole, um, conference on marriage. And we are going to give you some of the beautiful teachings of our Catholic faith, not just through the catechism. We'll use Fulton Sheen's Three to Get Married. And again, if people want to get that book on a recording, which we did back in the 80s, 
Yes, 30, 40 years ago. It's available on a download on vmpr.org. Our uh, Anthony or Trish can help you by calling 877-526-2151. And again, uh, I would like you to continue to work with your marriage every day because that's how marriages stay together. And I think this book that Cardinal Seurat wrote, Couples Awaken Your Love from Ignatius, would be a good resource for you and your spouse. I want to just give you three more things, that, two more things that need to be prayed for. And I mean that, prayed. The Catholic DePaul University now offers students nine different gender identity options. Now, this is just plain wrong, right? So what do we do? Let's stop funding, giving money to Catholic institutions that aren't Catholic. The institutions that are giving worldly ideas out of their schools, their parishes. Yes, if you're asking me, am I calling to boycott them? Yeah, I say this. Don't give them a dime, because that's what will stop them. They, they don't get the funding from the hoi polloi. That will affect them in a bad way. So any university that you see that's not carrying on with the Catholic faith's morality, just say, well, I'll pray for you, but you're not going to get another penny from me. Why do I say that? This is how we react. Not by yelling and screaming and, hey, uh, no, just say, okay, I'm going to pray for that person. We're going to pray for that cardinal. Pray for the Holy Father. Pray for this priest. Pray pray that we, that they will be faithful. As I've said so long, the leadership in the church is there to confirm us in our faith, not to give us something that's different from the perennial teachings of the church. So that's why I encourage you to pray. There's another gentleman I want you to pray for. His name is Bill Gates. We've talked about him. Bill Gates is praising Australia's heavy-handed COVID policies, suggesting yearly booster shots. Now, again, this guy's making tons of money on these shots. And his clearly he's clearly made it clear that he wants to see a depopulation going on in the in the world. And so obviously he's playing with fire. But you know what? I want to see him get to heaven. I want to see him have, it's a term, metanoia. What do we mean by metanoia? A conversion. I want all these guys, um, Dr. Fossey, all these guys, let's pray for their conversion. Because can you imagine, just like what's happened in Europe, I just gave you all those stories about what happened in Europe with Belgium and Britain. Uh, They're changing. Who would have guessed that they would have done this a month ago? I wouldn't have. I believe that prayer is helping. I believe that the world can be changed through prayer and sacrifice. Remember, Our Lady of Fatima said that, that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. So, for example, we're looking at Bill Gates. Oh, I don't care about Bill Gates. No, we should care about Bill Gates. We should care for every single soul in the world. So when we pray our rosary, let's make an intention for Bill Gates, one of the decades of the rosary, or for sinners that are leading decadent lives. Think about the gentleman in Europe who was promoting euthanasia. And he got a law passed, and he ended up getting cancer, and he didn't want to deal with the pain. And so he got a shot, and he died. He committed suicide. Yeah. And that's tragic, is it not? 
But we need to pray for all the world because the world is in a heap of trouble. The question I ask always, who's influencing who? The church is influencing the world or the world influencing the church? I got to be honest right now. It's got to change. The world is infecting our church big time. We need strong leaders. We need to pray for our leaders that they will promote Jesus Christ and the kingship of Christ and not succumb to policies from secular humanists and even communists and even pro-abortion people to have them have a word in on a situation for life. We need to proclaim Jesus Christ in season and out. And as one of the cardinals said, Bishop Thomas Tobin from Rhode Island talked about the bishop senate process. He says, is it to bear fruit? It has to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Gospel values, spiritual vision, eliminate complex structures, bishops, mind-boggling instructions, and secular corporate language. Now that's a bishop who loves Jesus Christ. I could tell because he said, this has to be focused on the person of Jesus Christ. And I say the same thing, and I will stand on that, and I will fall on it. If they take me out because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, what did they do to our, our Lord Jesus? They took him out for not compromising. And I would say to our bishops and leaders in our church, the hoi polloi, stand up for Jesus. What else is there? Hey, I hear the music. Thank you for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Wow, I've got Steve Ray coming on tomorrow, folks. We're going to be talking about how to share your faith in spite of scandal again. What a great topic to help us proclaim Jesus Christ loudly to the world and not be silent because silence is really not what we need to be doing today. We need to be proclaiming Jesus. And if Jesse was here, I would ask him right up front, Jess, what state should we be living in? He's going to say, Terry, the state of grace. What else is there? He's a saint. Well, he's right. He's absolutely right. How do we do that? We talked about that at the beginning of the show. How to be a better Catholic. Stay close to Jesus in the Eucharist. Get the confession on a regular basis. Make your Pray your daily rosary. And stay close to Jesus. May God richly bless you on this Thursday dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. God bless you.